Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. starts blowing up but I don't even know what time this morning what's up devil dog happy birthday this this shit needs to stop why I didn't put my phone on vibrate or silence I have no idea (laughs) and I have to tell you that some of the shit is straight up hilarious I can't share most of it yeah welcome to my because we don't really want to talk about too much of our culture today. We just want to talk about the veneer of it. Yes. Why do they drink out of the fountain in France? So happy 246th birthday to everybody. It's my house. And welcome to the house of uh, All Marine Radio. The, um, let's see. <clears throat> I I I tend not to do like major production stuff on uh on the birthday, but always interesting stuff happens during the show. So, um, uh, I've already 
been surprised by people that have reached out this morning to say thank you for what you do? Yeah, I won't share their names with you because they're important people. I was like pleasantly shocked. And uh, so, yeah, so that's going on today. Uh, my son Patrick's birthday today. Yeah, Patrick's born on November 10th, 1989 in Bethesda, Maryland. He lives 10 minutes, I think, 15 minutes from where he was born. Yeah, who would have thought? And uh, so that a big day uh, today here on uh, on November 10th. Um, yeah, Patrick would have been, have, it was a Friday, if I recall correctly. And were it not for the fact that it was a federal holiday, he would have been born in my Pathfinder on somewhere on the Beltway because we would have never, ever got to uh, a Bethesda in time. Yeah. Susan wakes me up. She says, I'm in labor. I said, okay. So we grabbed the kids and we dropped the kids off with friends in, and we're living um, down in Quantico. And so uh, the Fort Belvoir was the closest, but they couldn't take us for whatever reason. Their maternity list was racked and stacked. So up we go to Bethesda, and uh, and it was there was no traffic because it was a federal holiday. We get to the hospital. We're walking in, and she's now going through what do they call it? The transitional phase of labor as we're walking into the hospital from the garage and we stop and she pukes into a planter. <laughs> it's just like white raised thing, long rectangular comes up to about your waist. And she's least I'm like, I have the suitcase. I'm holding one elbow. Right. And she leans on it. And then she, pu she pukes in the planter. And I'm, you know, what do you, I mean, you're just standing there like, holy shit, man. And, uh, right, thanking God you're not a woman. And so, which I was, and so she gets some puking in the planter. And she she stands up. She goes, I feel so bad for doing that. And I looked at her and said, <laughs> I said, well, you're a better person than I, was, than I am because if I was you, I wouldn't give a shit. And she <laughs> says, don't make me laugh. So we go up to the maternity ward, and um, it's actually a funny story if you've never heard it. Um, we go up to the maternity ward, and um, with our oldest, the major, yeah, the major, my ex-wife Susan, um, I mean, she was in labor for nine hours. In San Clemente, General Hospital, back when that thing still existed. Right off the freeway, off the five. Yeah. So um, so we go up, and um, they get her all kind of situated. And the nurse examines her to see how far she's dilated. And the nurse looks at the doctor and says, she's dilated to you know, eight centimeters, which means she's ready to go. So the doctor comes in, right, and they're talking, and I'm standing there, you know, and they give me a gown, right, because, like, father's got to be in there now. 
And um, so he says, so is this your first? I said, no, this is the second one. He said, uh, do, do you know if this is a boy or a girl? So the Navy, I, I think, uh, lieutenant commander maybe, maybe Navy captain. And uh, it is Bethesda after all. And so uh, I looked at him and I said, Doc, do you know what today, today, you know what today is? He said, Friday? I said, no. Today's the Marine Corps birthday. Do you think this woman's going to have a girl today? <laughs> and he looks at me like, you're a fucking idiot, dude. I, and I'm staring him straight in the face. And he's like, all right. So, um, so, yeah, Patrick comes out swinging a chain. You know, not, yeah, I mean, it was very quickly, too. It was not, um, the rest of our children did not take nine hours. We'd get to the hospital, and that event would be done in si less than 60 minutes. So, um, yeah, so Patrick. And um, I, and months before, I don't know, a couple months before, a friend of mine named Duffy White, who's been on the program, Duffy, Duffy, a funny guy, and uh, he was a, the commanding officer of 3rd, of 1st Light Armored Reconnaissance Battalion during the march up. Duffy married a lieutenant. Yeah. So we were captains, and Duffy married, uh, Duffy, <laughs> Duffy fell in love. Duffy had never actually been on a date in his life. Yeah, he's that guy. So uh, he falls in love with the lieutenant after she graduates from the basic school. They get married. Her name's Trish Hennigan, right? Now Trish White. So anyway, it was her class, I remember. Um, and I was teaching either Mount, right? Military Operations in Urban Terrain, Mount, or NBC. I was teaching those classes at the base school. And so... I don't know how the subject came up in the class, but I, I made the comment that, you know, my wife was pregnant and somebody asked me like, sir, what's your wife do? And I said, uh, the first week of November, I said, that's right. That woman's going to have a son on November 10th. So, I mean, right. Me talking shit, shocker. And then, um, so a few months later I was teaching something else. So I taught one and then I taught the other and when I got ready to teach somebody says hey sir what happened did your wife have a baby I put both arms up in the air Patrick Francis man November 10th and they <laughs> lost their they lost their shit and then somebody says was she induced I said no the shit was meant to be Ah, yeah, so Patrick, uh, Patrick's birthday today. So happy birthday to my number two son. That's right, Patrick Francis. Captain Patrick Francis, no less. So, uh, yeah, so. And I always try to make it a point to, uh, he's on the East Coast, so last night was easy. Yeah, I try to be the first one to wish him happy birthday. And you know how you can time a text to send it? Yeah, for those of you who don't know, you could do shit like that. But anyway, I don't do that. Yeah, like at twelve, at twelve oh one, which would be Eastern time, nine oh one out here, which is the easy part. Send that thing. No, no, I I uh, I fired it off as a personal. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, 246 years. So, Will Cosentini is going to join us, and uh, we're going to talk about being a Marine. And I have no idea what we're going to talk about. I have no idea what we're going to talk about. So, if you have any questions that you would like answered about Marines, Marines, uh, Marine history, uh, but that's what we'll do. We'll probably play 10 questions and I don't even know what the questions are. So if you have one that you'd like to hear answered, uh, I'm all about it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So double big day in my family's house, uh, Marine Corps birthday. Um, now, you know, and, and again, uh, it's, I'll tell you another little funny aside. Colleen has uh, started wearing one of my, she grabbed one of my hats cause you know, being the disgusting human being that she is. You know, she's rolling into work after coming home from the beach, too late to shower, so she's disgusting. So she grabs a hat, right? It's a Marine hat, though. It either said Marines on the, on, on the, on the, on the hat or USMC. So all the whole time at work, people are saying, were you in the Marines? Are you going to be in the Marines? And then she just says, no, my dad and my brothers are. And they're like, and then she meets Marines that way. So now guess what she wears all the time? Yeah. Colleen said, Dad, there's so many people that comment on it. I'm like, yeah, come on, man. The coolest. So uh, on this November 10th, happy birthday to everybody out there. And again, just so you know, if you're at all tangentially related to us, you belong to us. It's your birthday, okay? So the um, United States Marine Corps Band makes this morning official Let me get my gauges correct. Good morning to you. And happy birthday to you. This is dedicated to my number two son, Patrick. Yeah. Who had no choice whether he joined the Marine Corps or not. Yeah. And so I said, hey, look, man, it's just the way it is. You've got to <laughs> you've got to join. You're born on November 10th. Your brother's a Marine. Your father's a Marine. And much to his much to his credit, <laughs> he he fell for that shit. Um, and then uh, to everybody else out there who's a member of this uh, amazing culture, a culture that's been such a huge part of, part of my life, not only in the Marine Corps, but, you know, has been the inspiration and, uh, and really 
the saving grace of my life. This, uh, these interviews that I've done for five and a half years now, um, the truth that's come out of them, the life-changing um, wisdom that is post-traumatic wisdom, that is post-traumatic winning. And I will tell you this, last night, I had another incredible night with, uh, with about a dozen people. And it's just like the hits keep coming. And so uh, dedicate to my son, Patrick, and to everybody out there who's a part of this Marine culture. And as I told Ronnie Reyes, this, whose father was killed in action, who he never met, right? Ron, I think, was four months old when his father was killed at Quezon. And when I was interviewing him, the first time he was ever on All Marine Radio, he kept saying, and the Marines, and they, and I finally had to yell at him. I said, hey, listen, motherfucker, you belong to us. So, by marriage, my cousin, right? If you're at all in that bug splat, your shit belongs to us. So, on this day, the appropriate greeting is, happy birthday, Marie. All right? So, now that we got that straight, happy birthday to everybody. You don't say what you think and you don't say honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> but I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And so our major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake. We don't want to lose the learn. We cannot if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds to win. You gotta win. 
There's that whole winning thing, you know what I mean? You don't see it much these days. Have we thrown that in the fucking museum too? I don't know. I'd like to see a document start with... It is our intention, right, to win no matter where we go. That is, That will always be the guiding principle. I don't see that very much. Anyway, we'll check the weather right now. Uh, currently, in Quantico, it is partly sunny at 70. Nice day on the East Coast, down the coast. Marine Corps Air Station. Cherry Point. It is sunny in 66. My monitor's on here in my studio. Kyle Rittenhouse. I thought he was going to puke live on TV, so I stopped to watch that. Don't hate me for it. He was hyperventilating and got emotional. I was like, are they going to... Is he going to puke on TV? Anyway. Um, where am I? Sunny in 66 in 29 Palms. It's going to be in the 80s here tomorrow. Um, partly sunny and 60 at Camp Pendleton. Clear, which is odd, and 66 as well as dark at Camp Smith in Hawaii. Okinawa, dark cloudy, 65. In the Philippines, it is dark cloudy, 82. And in Darwin, dark cloudy, 81. Partly cloudy, 61. Here at the home of All Marine Radio. Headed for 70 degrees. Let's see what the updated forecast for tomorrow is. 87 tomorrow, 88 on Friday, 80 on Saturday, and a chilly 77 on Sunday. That is a look at your weather. Joining me from the greater Kansas City area is is Will. Since I'm intimidated to say his last name, I won't even try. That's normally how I handle shit like that. So uh, we'll see. That sounds cooler than like saying your name, and it's kind of a kind of <laughs> we'll see. That could be you now, yes? It could be. Happy we'll, birthday. we'll see. Happy birthday, man. Uh, give us the weather in uh, in uh, greater uh, Kansas City. Yeah, it's 61 and overcast. We're going to, I think, storm's coming through because it's going to be in the 40s this weekend. Winter is coming. Congratulations on that. You know, it's, uh, there's a lot to be said to having four seasons. You can round out your... I, I fundamentally disagree. You can round out your wardrobe, all kinds of cool shit if you're a girl. Yeah, I just... Uh, no? After wintering over in Florida for three years, the uh, the whole Four season thing is grossly overestimated. You're a, but you're a New Yorker, man. I know. I paid dues. <laughs> I paid dues. So so it's overrated? You're telling me you're not going for that? All that, all that bullshit that the people in the Midwest sell? Yeah, not at all. None uh. whatsoever. Wow, wow! So when you think of the birthday, what do you uh, what do you think of? Yeah, you know, uh, this used to be just a fundamentally great time of year. Completely, right. uh, it's changed a little bit because of our modern experience. But uh, you know, the first cake cutting I ever went to was at uh, Memorial Hall at the Naval Academy, and uh, Memorial Hall is where they inscribe the the names of all the graduates who'd fallen. Uh, killed in action. Um, you know, it's got the don't give up the ship banner 
and it's a place where you you didn't go. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What are you talking about? The "Don't Give Up the Ship" banner. Uh, from uh, you know the famous battle, I think, in the Great Lakes, the War of eighteen twelve, when we said "Don't give up the ship." You have that actual <laughs> banner. I don't know if it's the actual banner, but they got it hanging up there in Memorial Hall. Don't give up the ship. You need to so, find. You need to find out if that's the actual yeah. because that's like I remember going to the uh, the. Uh, Smithsonian, and they had um, the flag that flew over Fort McHenry, right? Right yes, in that in that glass that. thing, and you walk around, and you look at it, and you're like, "That's Osei, can you see flag?" Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So you have to find that out. You go- right. Google it. GTS, as they say. GTS, don't give up the ship. No, Google that shit. <laughs> Uh-oh. I was going to say your acronym's fucked up if that's don't give up the ship. Yeah, so, I, I mean, you know, I'm a plebe. I've been there just a couple of months. I'm not sure I'd been in Memorial Hall before. Maybe I had. <clears throat> and uh, so they, the Marines there held a cake cutting, and they all, in their blues, and they had a bagpiper and went through the whole thing. And it was really... It was something, and you had to take time out to go do it. It was during the noon hour, which basically you were running from noon meal to go to class. And um, I went to that every year. It was really, it was a great thing. And then, uh, you know, one of the great things about the birthday is, you, know, you talk about it today, your phone blows up with people. Uh, some people you t- only talk to once a year is on the birthday. Um and, and, you know, you think of all the places you've been from, uh, you know, big fancy hotels in D.C. to crazy uh, late nights in Las Vegas to, for me, Cairo, Egypt, to being on ships uh, on the birthday. Um, and I say it's only it's, it's only tempered somewhat um, just because some of our personal experience, you know, Robert Kelly was killed in action on November 9th. Uh, we lost two Marines in first LAR on November 11th, Sam Holder and Kyle Burns. And so those anniversaries come up at this time. And, and, you know, I think about them as well. And I also think about all the other guys that we lost. Um, so it's, a it's a, it's a fundamentally great day. You think about, you know, the organization and, and, and what it means to you. And, and, and these guys are part of the legacy as well. Um, so I, I try and take it as a celebratory event for their lives and for our, for our service. So what was your, um, I'm trying to think my first Marine Corps birthday was I was at officer candidate school. You know, I, I don't know shit. I don't know shit about the Marine Corps culture. I mean, I, I've never, I've not been raised around it. I don't understand the history and traditions of it so much. I mean, I'm obviously learning about it. And so it was Friday. And they had the ball. They must have had the ball in Quantico that night because we looked out the window and our platoon commander, a captain by the name of Tom Rankin, Vietnam guy, recon guy, um, he um, he's leaving to go to the ball in his dress blues with all his shit on, right? And we're looking out the window going, holy shit, look at that, right? And you're like, yeah, that's the one reason I've got to get through this because I need to wear, <laughs> I need to wear that, that uniform. But it was, uh, but you were watching it, and then the next morning I tell the story. We went for a run, 
And at OCS, I mean, you run, right? And uh, we're, we go running up in the fartlet course, and I, we probably ran somewhere between three and five miles, and we're clipping along, and we come back to Brownfield. We come in on that uh, trail that was down by the brig, and then we hang a left by the, you know, that takes you down the road where you go by the museum. This is all a mystery to me. I know. You're, you're the, one of the aristocracy. Um, and then you run around where the chow hall was in the confidence course. Well, as we approach the confidence course, Captain Rankin stops. He bends over, and he starts puking, brown puke, right? And I'm sure it was bourbon and prime rib, and it's everywhere. And we're running by going, oh, shit, look at that. And But, you know, you don't stop. You just keep running. And we're not even – we might have been turning at the confidence course because then you you hung a left at the confidence course, a left at the chow hall, and you ran back. And that's where you got in, you to the grinder. And then, you you know, they, they slowed it down to, you know, marching. And then we had formation. And then he catches us by the confidence course. And he's got puke running down his chin, and he's wiping it off. He's got puke on his hands, and he's like, where the fuck do you think you're... And I remember, I tell the story often, and it's one of the moments where I thought, oh, my God, like, what the fuck is this? Like, when you puke, right, you lay, you lay down and somebody puts a washcloth on your forehead and they bring you ginger ale and crackers, you don't start running again and yelling at people, where the fuck fuck do you think you're going without fucking me and i'm like <laughs> and then i remember thinking like the craziest fucking people are the ones in charge right and it and i and i remember thinking the rules as, as i have learned them in my life do not apply to this organization of what is reasonable what is expected and so that was my first kind of marine <laughs> experience yeah and uh but like you will, all over the world, right? Um, sometimes you were in a position to celebrate it. Other times it was a quick ceremony because, you know, people were getting shot at. And But always take the time to remember what it, what it is, what it was to, to be a, uh, a Marine and this crazy culture that you were a part of. Um, and the fact that no other service is as in love with its birthday as Marines are in love, right? Yeah, I mean, they've all made it up in the modern world. Right. You know, General Lejeune was the first guy. He figured it out in, what, 1921? <laughs> so he made it up in 1921. <laughs> and they're all, you know, latecomers to the party. Because they figure what a great idea it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, it's. I think it's pretty meaningless. Uh, yeah, no, no. they're they're trying. They've invented theirs. We've yeah, always I mean, been. I mean, I remember like so the Marine Corps ball. Like, well, what's that? Well, you know, we had prior enlisted guys in the squad. Bay. Well, like it's a big ball. Like, well, like a dance. Like, yeah, there's a banquet and there's stuff that has to be read, and then uh, you know, and then you know your your date wears like a formal dress. Like, are you kidding? Like, oh no, it's like serious shit. Like, and again, nobody was doing it. And bigger than shit, yeah. You like, you tell your wife. I remember telling Susan, "Hey, you got to buy like a no shit prom dress." She's like, "What?" I'm like, "Yeah, right." And so everybody in their niceties, and then like the prom that goes wrong commences. Yeah, and I gotta <laughs> tell you, so 
I didn't notice this as a lieutenant at the basic school, but being there on the staff, and I'm actually not sure I noticed it there, except for the wides, right? You know, the, the ball that we did had all the lieutenants. So there's what? Somewhere between 700 and 1,000 lieutenants plus the staff. And uh, to get the inventory from the wives the next day on all the lieutenants' dates. <laughs> and you had, you know, hoop skirts. Oh, my God. To 14th Street hooker dresses. Oh, my God. All there, you know, typically with a commandant of the Marine Corps. No, it's an it's an amazing, um, like I said, and so and then when you go uh, into operational units, the demographic skews much younger, right? Oh yeah. So lieutenants are you know twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, twenty five in that, most of them in that demographic. Well, you know the the sixty something percent of of a battalion is under the age of 26, and the majority of that is under the age of 23. Now, their dates have a little bit different taste in dresses. So so you're standing there watching it, and and you're standing there with your wife, right? And you're trying not to stare, okay, because she's there. And you'll hear her say, oh, my God. You're like, what? <laughs> Look at that. But it's the best, and that's... Well, I wouldn't say that's before the liquor happens because they've normally been, right, at some kind of pre-ball event, getting lubricated for that. And uh, so it looks on the, on if you're new to it and the outward appearance, very, very beautiful and regal for the most part. But just know this, that there's a, a th- this is an organization that is not opposed to having a good time. Yeah, and I would say by those who gravitate to it is bent on having a good time, no matter what. Hey, you know, when we uh, when we deployed in first LAR, we didn't get home until October seventh, and so we were home for about a week or so. But then we sent everyone on leave, so we didn't do our ball until December in Vegas, and we collected all the money from everyone while we're still in the country. So guys were still, you know, flush. Yeah, we're mon- money and, money's uh, meaningless when you're Yeah. <laughs> and so we went to Vegas to the Tropicana and uh, we had to go there cuz it had like the biggest ballroom on the strip. Cuz we had close to 2000 people. Wow. For a battalion ball. This ha- is So your battalion is how big? At that point, I think it was, uh, we probably had 750, 800. Okay. So the whole company was deployed. Right. So then you have what, what percentage of that is married? Oh, probably the typical demographic, 30, 40%. And because there was, there was whole family. Right. Because you're deployed, right. Families want to come and get together and it's going to be a big deal. And you're going to meet my combat buddies. And so you have whole families showing up, right? Yeah, so uh, so I'm the guest speaker because I've learned that lesson before, right? What's that? Uh, well, when in doubt, pump your own tire. Listen, what's your job as a guest speaker? Be Hello? quick, be brief. Compliment the ladies. Ten seconds of history. Get off the stage, <laughs> right? They're, they're, this is an event where. Uh, you're not going to be remembered for what you say just for how long it took you to say it. 
That is a fact. Uh, yeah, and so, um, I don't know, I probably told this on the show before, but the year before, General Kelly was supposed to be our guest of honor at our battalion ball. He had been the CEO of First LAR, and he had to back out at the last second because he went on the uh, pre-deployment site survey to Iraq. So we got no guest speaker. So this but, is in 2004. Three, end of three. Oh, the end, end of, of three. three. Okay, so so the the march up goes in the spring of three. Kelly's going to be our guest of honor. We had this guide out we built for him. Um, I forget they put together a task force of the three LAR battalions. Right, and he right, was, right. He commanded that, so we built a guide out for that. That was our gift to him, and uh, but he couldn't come, so. So our major says, who's going to be the guest? And I said, well, I'm going to be the guest. I don't know. You know, I'm not going to invite anybody at the last minute. So the next year, we're getting ready for our ball. And so our major says, who's going to be the guest? So I say, I'm going to be the guest. So we're going down to the ball, me and my wife, Sergeant major and his wife. And uh, elevator stops and two young ladies in ball dresses get on. And they don't know who we are, obviously. And one of them says to the other, hey, do you know who the guest speaker is? And the other one says, I don't know, but I hope he's like that guy last year. His speech was really short. <laughs> so you can make an impact. There you go. So we go we go into the ball, and now it's, you know, we uh, we got home in October. Everyone went on leave. We came back, and now it's the ball. It's in, I want to say, the first week in December. A couple of thousand people. And we go in there, and uh, the woman who was doing the uh, audiovisual yes. is – screwed up right can't get the music to play can't and she's in a freaking panic and no one in the ballroom actually really notices they're all who can <laughs> holler and have a good time so she finally gets it together and i think we did the entire ceremony to include my speech and there's people in the back of the room that never knew that it all went on no kidding. it was just absolute mayhem was it loud yeah. was it disruptive was it disrespectful it couldn't have ri risen uh, to that level it was not that it was uh they had they had gone to the pregame oh. and they were well they were well into the third quarter nice. <laughs> so nice. couldn't couldn't take the momentum off and uh and my wife described it as you know she went to 28 years, she probably went to 24 or 25 birthday balls. She said, yeah, far and away, best one she'd ever been to. Uh, you know, uh, women with ball dresses doing carrier quals. I mean, Ugh, wow. absolute insanity in Las Vegas. And uh, Yeah, I was, was never cool – I don't like them in Vegas because um, everybody takes off and goes to the casino. I mean, normally, you know, in the old days, there was nowhere else to go. We were in a, a room someplace, and it was you stayed there for the duration, and you hung out all night together. One of the problems when you do have it at a casino is, you know, do you, uh, everybody takes off right after, and it's not, yeah. the, it's not the same. This one was really good. I, in fact, I sort of liked the Vegas ball because you didn't have to worry about anybody driving anywhere. Oh, and this man. one, a lot of people hung around that place. For They kicked us out. I don't know what time. But it was a good one. You know, you were telling your, your, the story about Patrick. You know, my daughters were born November 12th. 
<laughs> and so leading up to it, so my wife pregnant with twins in October, ah, oh, we're going to induce next week. And then they don't induce. And I'm down in Camp Lejeune. She's up in Bethesda. Now oh, we're going to induce next week. Then they don't induce. And we know we're having girls, and she's going through all the names and blah, blah, blah. I told her, honey, I'll just solve your problem. They're born on November 10th. They'll be Marina and Cora. <laughs> and she said, I will cross my legs forever. That is not happening. And they went to term November 12th, two seven and a half pound girls. They were, uh, they were the second and third biggest baby in Bethesda as twins. And in the, in the life's memory of all the nurses who've been there forever, they're the biggest twins that have been born in Bethesda. No kidding. November 12th. So yeah, Patrick was like nine pounds, eight ounces, something like that with his huge head. He's, I mean, I went to buy him his first hockey helmet, little kid, right? I go to put the little kid helmet on. It looks like Beanie and Cecil hat on him, right? <laughs> and the guy standing there goes, "Your kid's got a big head." And I just look at him. Hey, don't talk shit about my kid. <laughs> I remember when Patrick was born. Actually, yeah, he had a yeah. colossal. He had a colossal helmet, and. I I don't remember that, but I do remember when he was born, when we were at TBS. Well, you know, John, we were just, uh, I sent Will a picture and, and Tim and Jeff, but, you know, so John's born in 1989, so, um, you know, he's a little kid, like three, four, when I'm in Quantico, and um, Patrick was born there, and uh, John just got promoted and did the ceremony out at the basic school, out in front of uh, Haywood Hall, Um and I said, you know, when he was three, four, five, Susan would bring him over when the lieutenants were fast roping out there on the front yard, you know. Yeah. And here he is at the age of 35 getting promoted to the rank of major out there. So uh, so crazy, um, you know, crazy, you know, as your life kind of weaves it through the Marine Corps. Uh, the phrase, don't give up the ship. I thought John Paul Jones said that. No, 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 no. I, uh, yes. I don't know. Yeah, John Paul Jones. No. John Paul Jones says, I have not yet begun to fight. Don't give up the ship was in the War of 1812. Who said it, though? Um, this is the test. You went to the Naval Academy, for God's sake. Yeah, escapes me because, you know, the guy. Commander, the guy James, sort of Commander James Lawrence. And he sort of screwed up, if I remember the battle right. These were, these were his dying words to his men while under attack by the Royal Navy. Lawrence was lost in the battle, yet his words lived on, become, becoming etched in the history and displayed at the Naval Academy. There is no indication that that banner is the one that was probably shot to shit on Lawrence's well, ship. there was no banner. There was no banner. Got it. All right. So that is... So now, how... How do you celebrate it now? I mean, you're in Kansas City. Is there are there any Marines in Kansas City? You know, That's there, kind of an army centric place. It, you know, it's funny though. There are a lot of Marines here. Um, you know, they used to have the big uh, reserve. One of the reserve regiments was here. Oh, that's then, right. Uh, and then dispersing used to be here. Oh, so here Kansas City. When your ship yeah. was really, I got put out of the Marine Corps. There was a guy named Tom McNamara. There was a captain at the basic school, and um, so he got out. 
and I had been there less than a year, and I went to McDonald's on a Saturday and went to get money out of an ATM and check my balance, and my account was, I didn't have any money. And so I get in the car, and I launch all tubes on Susan, right? Because, I mean, if you if you were a regular deployer, um, your wife handled your money because you were gone all the time, and there was no, like, internet or anything like that, so your wife was the primary facilitator of the checkbook. And I'm like, Susan, what did you do? Nothing. And I'm, I looked at her and I said, oh, so what do you think? I just got not paid? I just got put out of the Marine Corps or something? And bigger than shit, man. I called Butch Foley on a Saturday. Sir, I need your help. I, I didn't get paid. He's like, what are you talking about? I didn't, I didn't get paid. There's no money, there's no pay in my bank account. He's like, Mac. And I, and I said, I don't know. I don't know. And I, I haven't done anything you know, and I was deathly afraid of bouncing a check at the commissary. Oh, and, yeah. Right? Because you would get into trouble. And um, the people in Kansas City put the wrong McNamara from the basic school out of the pay system. And then Butch Le <laughs> Major Foley, later to become Lieutenant Colonel Foley, right? Um, he says, hey, look, we're going to work on a shortcut to get you back in quicker. I got cut green checks for the next like four months because of that shortcut. Okay. Yeah. So if anybody, if that ever happens to you, but it was all Kansas city centric, right? Kansas yeah. city, the, 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 the pay center of the Marine Corps. Now, wasn't it the, is, wasn't that where they had the big warehouses uh, and one of them caught fire with all the, the documents. Do you remember that? So if you're looking uh, for records before some year now, St. Louis, I'm pretty sure. St. Louis, that fucking yeah. play. Yeah. yeah. Another Midwest shithole. Well, you know, what's interesting about Kansas City, and this this is probably true in a lot of places. Um, so there were Marines here. Reserve Center was here. None of that's here anymore. Um, but you see a lot more. I've never seen an Army flag flying anywhere. I got a neighbor 100 yards up the road here, right on the corner of the main drag, Got a flagpole Marine Corps flag flying every day. He was in for three years in like 1956. Do you something. do you fly the Marine Corps flag? Absolutely. It's right out of, off my front right now. Um, I've got, there's another guy on the street just around the corner. You know, you see more Marine Corps stickers and definitely more flags around here than you see anything to do with the Army. And Leavenworth is 30 miles up the road. So, and I know, uh, I know your phone's ringing. Yeah. I know, um, several army veterans around here, but you don't see remotely see, uh, the flag. But again, you know, to go back to really the essence of this, there's only two military services, the army and the Navy, <laughs> the air force is a corporation and the Marine Corps is a cult <laughs> and that cult manifests. So yeah. How do I celebrate? I don't, I don't, I'm actually going down to Florida tomorrow to uh, visit a retired Sergeant major in Tampa was a first Sergeant with me in first LAR. And, uh, we're not going to do anything for the birthday or for veterans day. We're not going to go to Applebee's and do all that stuff. 
we're probably going to go to the racetrack, watch the ponies, <laughs> and we're probably going to sit in his backyard. And uh, he's a big bourbon connoisseur. Uh-oh. Do some of that and just sort of cool out in Florida for a weekend. That's what I'm doing this year for the birthday ball. Yeah, I um, I don't know that I'm doing anything. I might have dinner with Colleen. Right. Um, I mean, the last few years I've been asked to speak at balls, and uh, they're not having very many this year. Um, I think there's some people doing it on the down low. Good luck to you. Hope you don't get caught. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, I think it'll be me and my daughter wearing her uh, Marine Corps hat. The um, I will tell you, I had. One of the coolest experiences I had, um, Marine Wing Support Squadron, 372 at Pendleton. These are the guys that drive all the heavy equipment and do all the heavy shit at the airfield, right? Their CO is a huge fan of all Marine Radio. And so I I get invited. Their Sergeant Major calls me. He's a huge fan, former grunt, uh, and they call me. And... Uh, they asked me if I'll be the guest speaker in Vegas. I said, I'd be happy to. So I go up there. I'm standing in line. Two Marines stand in front of me. And they, they see me. And they're like, hey, sir, how's it going? I said, I'm good. What are you guys here for? We're ha- our ball's here. What unit are you with? Uh, MWSS 372. I said, I think I'm uh, your guest speaker. And one of them looks at me and says, you're Mac? And I said, yeah. And they're like, we're excited for you to, to hear what you have to say. And I said, no need to lie, boys. <laughs> I promise I'm not going to speak for very long. And and the other one turns and says, no, we our Sergeant Major talked about you. And he, he said, you're going to have good things to say, and we'd like you. I said, okay, look, I don't know where this shit's coming from, okay? But look, I'm wearing flip-flops, so knock it off. So that happens to me while I'm checking in. And then I, you know, I, I, I speak very quickly, as is always the best guidance. And they give me this framed picture. The cranes, right? The forklifts, and like their heavy equipment out there. A formation of Marines in their dress blues in a crescent. The battalion commander, the sergeant major, right? And the little like leadership thing in front with their unit colors. And the post-traumatic winning blue W that is flying from another flag. And so I look at it. I look at the picture, and the, the, the ball is now in the dancing phase, and I'm standing there with it, and I'm talking to the CO, his wife, Sergeant Major, his wife, and maybe the ops or somebody else and his wife, and some other people were standing in the circle talking. And I'm looking at the picture, and I said, so you Photoshopped the flag into that? And he looks at me and goes, no. I said, I look at him like, well, how did you do it? He's like, we took that picture. And it dawns, I'm like, you got all that shit out there to take this fucking picture for me? He said, yeah, if you look at it, there was no win that day, and we needed the the the, the white flag with the W on it to, to be, like, horizontal so you can see that there's a wire on the edge of it that's running out of the picture, and we had to get, you know, some Marine standing on top of his pickup truck holding it. So, And I said, I looked at it, I was like, speechless. I was like, Get the fuck out of here. You did that. And it's like one of the, you know, you can imagine how humbling that is. Somebody go to that length for you. It's like, no, we're, uh, 
you know, you came and spoke and it made a big difference. And we just want to say thank you. I was like, holy shit, man. But I want to play the, uh, I want to play the commandant's message. And then we'll, we'll, then we'll critique it. Okay. All right. I haven't seen it yet. Neither have I. So this is, uh, commandant of the Marine Corps, Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps, um, we're gonna you'll listen to it and i'll put the link in this post and then uh will and i'll critique it for substance and style when our nation called marines were there to defend her u.s officials increasingly worried by the hour but our enemies now pose an ever-growing threat to america and our way of life Another U.S. Navy warship now in place tonight off the coast. About 250 Marines. The Marine Corps must be prepared to fight. And win. Tonight, Marines around the world proudly celebrate 246 years of defending our great nation. Our warrior lineage and the battles that have been fought and won across generations have become legends. Throughout the centuries, the Marine Corps' relentless pursuit of excellence is unchanged. We are still made from the same grit and steel, with the same moral instincts, and the same unending will to fight. Marines remain physically, mentally, and emotionally tough, forged in the crucible to overcome fear and adversity. In these ways, the core and the lifelong faith we place in each other is proudly unchanging. This is as close as we can get to the base of the World Trade Center. You can see the firemen assembled here, the police officers, FBI agents, and you can see the two towers. A huge explosion now raining debris on all of us. The 11th day of September 2001, our country was attacked. Like the attack on Pearl Harbor 60 years before that day changed everything. Our Marines have fought and won in hostile places like Anbar, Sangin, Fallujah, Helmand, Mosul. We earned our reputation as an elite counterinsurgency force, but that remains only a part of who we are. After five days of heavy fighting, Marines raised our beloved American flag on top of Mount Zerbaji. What Marines are, what Marines have always been, is amphibious warfighters. And the changing battle now requires us to return to our origins, relying on foundations built by the Marines that came before us. The Marine Corps' identity remains the same. Our infantry battalions will remain at the center of what we do. And the Marine and their rifle will continue to be one of the deadliest weapons on the battlefield. But being ready now requires us to return to the seas and shores of maritime terrain. The history of the Marine Corps is marked by a series of paradigm shifts, and this is one of them. 
The hard-won lessons of Iraq and Afghanistan and the blood Marines have shed there will not soon be forgotten. We're using the lessons of our past combined with the weapons of the future to reimagine our warfighting capabilities through continuous adaptation and experimentation. Marines around the globe, Marines like you, are a vital part of this effort. Your ideas, your feedback, will be key to moving the Marine Corps into the future and ensure that we will continue our legacy of winning battles. And to the Marines who have served our nation and returned home to continue to fight and win battles of a different kind in their own communities, we thank you. As Marine brothers and sisters, Semper Fidelis is a pledge that we promise to live by. The work of our Marine veterans is a living testament to the faith Marines keep with each other, with our Corps, and with our country. The next generation of Marines may operate differently and in different places than the Marines who wear the Eagle Globe and Anchor today. But they will join a long and proud heritage of Marine fighters who have never turned from a threat, never turned from an enemy. We will always remain most ready when our nation is least ready, because we must protect our shores and we must protect our citizens. It's still gonna be the Marines defend this nation. Semper Fidelis, and happy birthday, Marines. All right, Will's got to finish watching it because he couldn't hear what he couldn't hear what I was I was playing. Um, are you done watching it? I didn't. I didn't watch it. I just read the. Uh... I read oh, the uh, well then then you can't version. even you can't even comment on it then what the hell sure I can I read it what uh what jumps out at you so in terms uh, of of wording a statement um let me give you words that relentlessness that's a marine word right I like that word um the uh, you know I I don't know. Call me crazy. I'm a bit. Um, I don't know how I'd characterize it, but you know, selling Force Design 2030 in there uh, to me don't need to do that. It's not what the birthday's about. Um, so I'm a little bit put off by that. <clears throat> I like the word, the use of the word "win," and he said winning battles and the sergeant major said win in our communities i like that and i liked that he included the veterans um and things that veterans are doing so um a mixed bag for me mixed bag for me yeah so i didn't see the video that they obviously didn't read the message um in the in the written message there's a couple things uh something i don't like uh when we refer to former commandants as Commandant Chapman. Commandant Chapman's not Commandant, General Chapman, right? I just don't like that wording. I don't remember that wording. Is that the appropriate way to do it? Yeah, I don't I don't remember that wording. So that one that one is uh, a little bit another um, And what, so your point is we only have one commandant and that happens. Yeah. yeah, and so former commandants are always General Chapman. Got it. General Barrow, General Dunford. We all know who he's talking about. Um, 
interesting in the uh, the most important traditions that link us to our past and must be carried into the future are the intangible ones. Traditions of courage, trust, discipline, loyalty, respect, perseverance, adaptability, and leadership. I thought, I don't know, I thought respect was an odd term in there. Um, in the written one, he uh, skips nicely um, over the idea of adapt and innovate, how Marines adapted and innovated over the last 20 years. Uh, and so, you know, what's the purpose of the birthday message? It, it's, uh, you see, some of them are very, um, remember our history. Remember the past, the honor the present, right? Yeah. And commit to and, the, commit to the future. That's, that's, that's what Neller says in the thing that I play, right? Yeah. And so the, there's only been a few and there's been some thematic ones over the recent years. We've, we've had some that were, um, you know, focused on like, uh, Korea veterans and things like that. Um, I do remember, I believe I remember some other thematic ones. This is a thematic one. This is part of the messaging campaign for the force design. And I also, I don't particularly care for the thematic ones. You know, read General Lejeune's message. Timeless, right? It's absolutely timeless. It's classic. If that doesn't give you a shiver up your spine, every time you read it or heard it, heard it read to you at the ceremony, right? If that doesn't make you stand a little bit straighter, that you're part of that Marine Corps, when he talks about from the Battle of Trenton to the Argonne. No. You can yeah, feel it. No, yeah, I, yeah, I, I again, um, yeah, I think there's a. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm like you. I'm 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 not feeling what the selling force design in, in the message. It's it should be summoning summoning us to greater challenges, right? And and you know, and and if it's the if it's the generally the pivot to the Pacific, you know, the next great challenge. And then, as is typical in history, we will be prepared. For the ones we don't anticipate, right? As we have always been prepared, and, I, and that phrase, you know, "most ready when the nation's least ready," um, is is a great one. But you know, the the thing I love about about the Neller one was the emphasis on we got to win. Yeah. Right, Marine Corps, and and I that's why I play that every day. It's why. Um, again, that's one of the things that what really attracted me to the culture was, you know, we're going to go and we're going to win. The only question is, what is going to be the cost? Yeah, and it's interesting. Is winning actually part of the American culture anymore? Because if there's winning, then there's also losing. And separating people out by qualitative factors is not 
politically correct right now. And an organization that, that you know, carries the we will win banner is a little bit extreme uh, in the modern vernacular. And I'm sure that, you know, I get thousands of people to argue with me, but. No, I mean, what was the. The uh... culture of the youthful upbringing of America now is not about winning. It's about getting along, being pleasant. Your feelings. Do you think uh, you, tr- do you. The dialogue. Do you think you tried hard? I, again, yeah. if, if you, I say this in post-traumatic winning, but if I looked at the way young people get educated and then you told me what, describe what the world looks like that they're being prepared for, I would tell you that the world cares how much you try, if you think you tried. The world cares about your feelings, right? Uh, the world is prepared to operate on your time when you get around to it. And it really doesn't matter what you produce. It rem- it matters if you grow personally. And I just saw an article in the LA Times that talked about school districts doing away with A, B, C, D, E, F. Antiquity, antiqu- antiquated. antiquated grading system based on points, pits students against each other, doesn't measure real growth. And you're reading it going, oh, my God. Well, and, 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 and the, reason, the reason that became necessary was because of the proliferation of Ds and Fs. Yeah. So what does that mean? People who can't do the work, now we're going to retool the system to make not doing the work okay? And the answer to that, I think, is yes. And ultimately what you're going to do by, by doing away with the standard is you are failing them because – they're not having to meet a standard. They're not having to look about, look, regardless of where you come from, who you are, you've got to learn how to do this. Because if you can't learn how to be self-disciplined, do the work, get it in on time, you won't be functional in the workplace. You won't be able and, to make money. And, and unfortunately, to, you know, contrary to, to General Neller, who... Who in the uniform military in the last 20 years has been obsessively focused on winning? You can't name anyone. You know, who, who when I was in Iraq was obsessively focused on winning? Um, and, and I said, I, you know, I, I have no complaints with the current generation of Marines. I push back on people and say, oh, you know, millennials, this bullshit. But I will say the one thing that we did not have was a killer instinct. You know, we did not. Well, again, but Americans why? Don't why? Go for the jugular anymore. Why? Yeah. Because, because all of this is streamed real time. Every, you know, it all, uh, every commander has somebody looking over their shoulder with the 8,000 mile screwdriver, and you're going to be scrutinized, and you're not out there to do what you're supposed to do anymore. And, um, I don't know. I mean, I think we're headed for an interesting conversation as China moves towards a 460-ship Navy and we struggle, you know, to get to the 300 number. Yeah. Right? And are, is, is America going to be content with China dictating the terms 
of the international community. And if, if you're not, then guess what? Things like excellence have to become part of the culture again. And, and what you see is, again, we're going to do away with the grading system because there's too many F's and D's. I mean, and, and that's, that makes sense to people. Yeah, and, and in, in this time of year in the Marine Corps, when you think about the birthday, you, you, you can't rest on the laurels that have been earned by your predecessors. No, what was I mean, what, in the afterglow, I think, what were you always left with, Will? I, I got to be better. I can do more, right? And, and yeah, it's, you think of the great Marines you knew, you know, and the first great Marine that I knew was John Ripley uh, at the Naval Academy. And, uh, you know, Colonel Ripley was a, uh, was a Hollywood uh, depiction of a Marine officer, you know, lean, athletic-looking guy, slightly gray at the temples, steely blue eyes, uh, Navy Cross sitting on top, um, slight southern Virginia sort of drawl, not too strong, and just uh, just a wonderful leader of a man. But it was like Hollywood casting. That was the first great Marine I knew. And, uh, and I remember we were we were doing something in Iraq and we were going to blow up this bridge and I called it Operation Ripley and we didn't get to do it. And I sent him an email because I knew how much he hated being associated with just a bridge. He said, you know, I had a pretty good 32 years. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I said, you know, sir, just, I was just thinking about you. And I said, uh, as battalion commander, I spent a lot of time here making sure that we didn't, we didn't let you guys down, the Vietnam guys. That our oh, no, you know, as good as I, yours. And yep. he, he sends me an email back. He says, you know, when I was a company commander in 3rd Marines in Vietnam, I spent a lot of time making sure we didn't let those guys down, the Korea and World War II vets. And that's a, that's a thing that this time of year should bring out, that we have to be better in, in order to continue what this organization is supposed to be. And for us to be better, um, you have to win. Yeah. We have to develop well, that. I think you have to be committed to excellence. And and again, I, I there's a document that just got published this week about how we're going to relieve commanders, blah, 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 blah. And nowhere in the document does, does the term operational excellence appear. And so everything else stems from that, winning and operational excellence. And so at some point, there's got to be some kind of reconciliation between this emphasis on we're better if we look like this, as, and, and, then, and then we'll do the best we can with that. Is that what you're telling me? Or is it, is it operational excellence that's still the most important? And, th and then beyond that, it's we will do our best to make sure we hit these milestones in the context of operational excellence. But operational excellence won't be subordinate to anything because on the battlefield, it's not. And I will tell you this. I mean, I, I remember, you know, all the thoughts you have when you get on a plane and, you know, you, you don't know if you're going to come home. I mean, it's like getting on a ship and 
Long Beach or San Diego in the Second World War or Pearl Harbor and sailing out of those harbors and watching the United States uh, slip over the horizon. And you can't help but have the thought, will I, will I ever see that again? And I can remember, I mean, the long shadow of the Marine Memorial uh, that got cast I, over me anyway. Like, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I can tell you one thing that's not going to happen, right? I'm not going to not do my job, you know, as a Marine. Like, I'm not sure about anything else. I, I am sure of this. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do no matter what happens. And I'm not going to fail these Marines that, you know, that I serve with. And, and, and you know, and you're always, I, I was always mindful of those Marines that walked in front of us that, that wrote that history and that legacy. And so, and so I, I, to me, there's a, there's a cultural war going on in the country, right? Um, this, this idea of equity and we have to look like this. And, and again, and I believe there's much nobility in all of that, but it has to take place in the idea, in the construct of winning and operational excellence. And that's not what we hear. We don't hear that from the Navy when they come and talk about their problems. We don't hear the first thing they do is they talk about, um, and and I think this is the, and, and this is at the four star level in front of Congress. This is what they believe they have to say in order to survive. When I think that the, the real conversation is, I mean, I just got an email from uh, Peter Ostrowski, his son. Um, Lance Corporal Jack Ryan Ostrowski was one of the Marines in that Amtrak that went down. Operational excellence relative to that event in the 15th Mew relative to the USS Somerset, if anybody would have been operationally excellent, his son wouldn't be dead. And so what does he feel like on this birthday, on Veterans Day? He doesn't have a son anymore. Because we were not operationally excellent. We were not even operationally competent. Right? And the questions that surround what happened at the gate in in at the Kabul International Airport. Were the right things done there? Were those the right decisions? Or did once again we we fail and people die? And so I think those are hard questions. And and that's why when you play you bet your life, it's gotta be about operational excellence at the pointy end of the spear. And so um, there's an interesting debate that I think needs to happen. But I think most concerning, you know, is, is a trend in the uniformed services that we're not going to have that debate. We're going to get in front of Congress, and we're not going to do that. And I will tell you what, if that's what being loyal to your tradition is, then you've got me because I don't think it is. And so— You know, and it's interesting. Coming out of Vietnam, it was— obvious i think to the leadership the marine corps leadership that we had some fundamental problems drugs were one race relations were another and uh the commandant attacked and then his succeeding general barrow attacked they identified here's some lessons we got and here's some problems we got to fix and so I don't know what we learned in 20 years in Iraq and Afghanistan, because I'm not sure that the Marine Corps has ever truly delved in. 
and said, these are some problems that we've had. But if you just go by what the focus has been in the last couple of years, you would think that the organization is just not properly put together and that it's got um, a leadership problem and that we've got a new way we're going to look at talent management and we've got to eliminate this toxic leadership that's out there. And I, if, if those are the two things that you take away from the last 20 years on how we're going to get this organization to ensure that it can win in the future, I mean, I'd like to see the research that led up to that. Uh, there, there is none. I'll just, we'll cut to the chase. And, uh, you know, the talent management thing, I, I applaud part of it. We should always be looking for a way to ensure that we're developing people in the best way uh, and using all of the talent that are diverse population. And by that, that's a small d, diverse population brings in. Um, and of all the institutions within the Marine Corps that need to be reformed, manpower is number one. Manpower is 60 plus percent of the budget of the Marine Corps. It's the essence of the organization. It's people. And it hasn't changed a whit in 50 years. Uh, but I'm not sure we actually have an idea of what we're going to do. And I fear that it's going to slide down the diversity, capital D, and equity uh, line of thinking so that we all feel good. And and the pro and again the problem with the 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 e word is that is equity of outcome, not equity of opportunity. And what the Marine Corps historically has been about is equity of opportunity. And and again, that's an ongoing fight to make sure that we do that, that we're vigilant about it, and to make sure that 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 everybody who comes in has the opportunity, right, to be, to use an army phrase, to be all they can be in the Marine Corps. And, and that is a moral responsibility that we all take very seriously. But again, operational excellence and winning have to be the, the star that we all aim for. Okay, And again, I fear, and, and again, what we don't hear discussed. And, and, and when you, when you want to have this discussion, you know, you'll immediately be called a racist. Well, you're a racist. I've never been a fucking racist in my life. Okay. And I'm not one sitting here today. But equity is code for socialism, for I get a share of the outcome, right? And in, in, in America, in a capitalist system, you had the right to the opportunity to create whatever you created in this country. And the same thing applied in the military. And so I don't know. We, haven't, we certainly haven't had that discussion in public. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm afeared when you look at the way the Chinese with their mock-ups in the desert, the, and again, right, in their OPT, like, well, what are we going to say when these things, you know, hit the news? Nothing. We'll just smile and wave. We won't say anything. And so we'll just went away. I don't know what happened. And so I don't want to get too sidetracked down that rabbit hole. Um, of uh, on the birthday. The birthday is a uh, festive event. 
And uh, hold on, let me get Will back in. William is unavailable. You know what happened? He does this. His phone dies. He doesn't pay attention. He has his his iPad. Yeah. He has his iPad on battery, and then it runs out. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, no, so anyway, on this birthday, when we do celebrate our history, so your iPad ran out of juice, yes? No, I'm at 63%. I don't know what happened to you. You were in the middle of a pretty good rant, though. Well, no, I mean, um, again, I don't want to go too far down that hole on yep. the birthday, right? But our our tradition and our excellence, right, it's always been about winning, right? And 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 so now the nation faces this discussion about about race, and and then how that how that impacts the Department of Defense, and. I don't know that we've had the discussion about how does equity right impact an organization where you have to go play you bet your life. And yeah. and and the trend line that I've seen from McCain to from Fitzgerald to McCain to Bonham Richard to the Somerset right um that trend line is a trend line of a declining organization. And yet it doesn't seem like we're, are we concerned with that? Does excellence consume us on a daily basis? And so on, on this birthday, when we do consider our history, I mean, I think there ought to be a thoughtful, measured discussion about excellence and these ideas under the name of diversity with a capital D that get thrown about and that now, we're now going to have quotas, right, and benchmarks, and what does that do to readiness? And and there's some pain, painful data points in there that have to be reconciled. And, and you, I think you mentioned one the other day, and that is in the ground combat integration study that the Marine Corps did, that was off, that was put in motion by then General Dunford, right? The top performing mer females in this study of Marines in the infantry were equal to or below the bottom 5% of the males. Okay, now when you expand that, what do you do to the force? And who's going to answer that? And, and, and the problem is that nobody's going to answer it. We're just going to sweep it aside and and extol the virtues of big D diversity. And and again, I I, I think that what bothers me the most is we're not gonna have that discussion. Or did we have it and did I miss it? Yeah, um, and it's and it's you know, it's the time of year when you when you want to do nothing but feel good about the organization your service and and when you you read 
the commandant's message and you have these sort of questions, it's, it just makes you more cynical if that's possible. No, that's it, unfortunate. Troubling that's to say the least. Yeah, troubling yeah. to say the least. That the, the, the message that got released the other day that how we're going to relieve commanders, um, you know, you can see why the number of people that are declining command go, is going up, which is unfathomable, right? I mean, the most prized possession among leaders in the Marine Corps is command. And, well, why? Well, the climate to be a commanding officer, you know, is, is horrible, right? You're not the commander anymore in terms of the way we, I would look at the commander. You're, you're riding on top of this runaway freight train. And, and they are going to have a say. So, I don't know. So, the, again, but the biggest thing to me is is the discussions that are not being had in public. That's to, yeah. me, that's to me what's most concerning about the current version on this happy birthday. So a final thought, William, on, uh, on this birthday. Uh, you know, I, it's funny when I introduce myself to people out here, and, oh, you know, what do you do? I don't do anything. I'm retired. Not really so what did you do? I was a Marine officer for 28 years. Oh, wow, that's really something. And I tell them, I feel lucky to have done, to, to have done what I got to do and, and to know the people that I got to know. I feel lucky to have been a Marine uh, for that long. And, and I, hope, I hope everyone who served uh, can feel uh, the same way. And uh, I don't know a lot of people that say, you know, I feel lucky because I worked for uh, – you know, Ford Motor Company for 30 years. Maybe they do, but I think I was lucky to be a Marine, and and I'll and I think I'll always feel that way, and uh, and I and I want nothing but this to continue to be the greatest organization uh, out there. So happy birthday! Yeah, happy birthday! I you know when people say thank you for your service, and I I always say you don't need to thank me. Um, being a Marine. Um, and then going to fight for the country is, is are are the greatest honors of my life, other than um, other than my children. And um, I, as a little boy, I read their books, and now to be able to stand next to those guys, uh, there are no words to say what that feels like for guys like Will and I, um, and how proud we are. You know, when somebody looks at you and says, "You know, you were a Marine," and you say. You're you're goddamn right. I was, and uh, and you don't have to thank me because it is indeed the honor of a lifetime to to be called a leader in an organization with the human capital that never fucking flinches, ever. No matter how many times you call on them, no matter where you are on the planet, no matter what time of day it is, no matter what time of night it is, no matter how tired they are or how beat up they are, they get the fuck up and they go. And they will risk their lives for each other. And it's the most incredible organization uh, in the world. And, uh, and Will, happy birthday to you. Hope you have a great one. And thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Happy birthday to everybody out there. Cheers. There you go. Cheers. The, um, yeah, that's my standard response when somebody says happy birthday. No need. And when it says, no, thank you for your service, no need. 
no need. The um, so on this day, um, I think we should hear the Marine hymn as we head out before we hear Steve Winwood. And so uh, this is dedicated to everybody out there. And again, if you are tangentially part of this organization, right, you belong to us. <laughs> That's just the way it is. A spouse, my brother, my cousin, my nephew. Oh, yeah, the blood test, right? If you are one one millionth of 1% part of us, you're part of us. So, on that note, happy birthday to everybody out there. And this is dedicated to you and this incredible culture. Um, uh, long may it fight and win. So, happy 246th birthday. <laughs> betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech i mean how do you not like that part of our culture right <clears throat> And then this part, understanding that he is in public. But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So young folks, you ignore what I just said. That You wonder why young Marines like his ass? That's what you just heard it right there. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't. We don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago: persevere against difficult, challenging conditions and odds, and win. We got to win. Yeah, Neller. 
I would prefer that every speech, every birthday message start with something like that and conclude with something like that. Hey, there's only one outcome, boys and girls. It's winning. And that's what we're about. So, on this uh, November 10th, happy birthday. Happy birthday to my son, Patrick. 32 years old, halfway to 64. Doesn't really like to hear that, but too bad, so sad. And uh, and for all of you that are part of this culture, um, happy birthday. Now, just know that the official greeting for the day is happy birthday. All right, so if you know a Marine, you know family members, don't be afraid to whoop that on them, and you'll make them smile. They know, hey, they trust me, they know the drill. So don't be afraid to crush that thing. And uh, the Mensa Brothers will join me tomorrow. So Jeff's got a couple speaking engagements. We'll see how he's uh, how he how his speeches went over. Yeah. So anyway, uh, 246 years old. Uh, the greatest organization I've ever been a part of. And uh, long may it be that way. And I think. Um, I will say this, the things that have made it so great are not uh, the uniform, the commandants, the things that have made the organization great are the people and the esprit de corps that that you see in them as I said it doesn't matter what you ask of them they'll go and they'll die it's the most amazing thing you'll ever see in your life yeah I kid you not they'll go and they'll die I remember getting out of a Humvee at night and one night in Ramadi headed for the police station and the staff sergeant and the sergeant who was in charge, you know, he, we, we dismount. And we dismounted about, I don't know, a quarter mile, maybe more from the police station because, <laughs> as they said, well, they know we're coming, sir, so we're probably going to get ambushed. Right? Everybody piles out. And we don't, you know, and he just looks and yells, all right, they fuck with us. They fucking died tonight. Let's go, boys. And not a flinch. Everybody's eyes clear, right? You can feel the electricity because they believe that they're going to get shot at. And just this clear-eyed determination gives you goosebumps talking about it. And that's, that is they, the few, the proud, the Marine. So on this 246th birthday, happy birthday to everybody. I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio. There's ever anything I can do for any of you all to help any of them, any of their family members, you let me know and I'd be honored to do it. So on that note, happy birthday. I'm out.